Hey sisters, Christy here from Book Club Sisterhood. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. This is where we share our weekly book discussions with you so you can listen while multitasking or enjoying your favorite drink and reading along with us. I hope you enjoy this discussion. Let's grow. Hey sisters, I'm Christy, one of the co-founding sisters of Book Club Sisterhood. We are here to discuss Wild and Free, chapters one through three tonight. This is a new book for a new month, so we're excited. This is by Jess Conley and Haley Morgan. If you were with us last April, we read um, You Are the Girl for the Job by Jess Conley, and I really, really love her writing. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed these chapters this week because I really, really love them. Um, I want to start off by dropping my bookmark. Hold on a second. Didn't mean to do that, but I also need to read it. So um, I don't have this memorized yet, but our memory verse this month is Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened against again by a yoke of slavery. So this is our bookmark we created and had in our subscription box. So that's why I needed my bookmark to read that because it makes it nice and handy to have in my book. So, all right, chapter one, and I like how this is um, categorized because it tells you who wrote it. That way you can kind of tell whose voice it's coming from. Um, chapter one is Jess. Let me go back really quick to the intro. Um, so they talk about how Jess and Haley come from very, very different points of view, which is nice because me and Lisa come from very, very different points of view. <laughs> so I kind of understand that. Um, on page 19 of the intro, it says, um, this is a book we could only write together. It needed both voices and both perspectives. It needed Jess's let's do this coaching call from the sidelines, and it needed Haley's there, there comfort and reminder to abide. And then at the bottom of 19, I kind of feel like this is kind of the mission of the book. It says, if God is wild and if God is free, what does that mean for us? The answer we've landed on is that we believe we have the liberty to walk out our own wild freedom in pursuit of his kingdom and he will help us as we go. He is the one who calls us to be wild, walking in who God created us to be, and he is the one who calls us to be free, resting in what Jesus has done for us. So I just like that from the intro. All right, now on to chapter one. Um, this is from Jess and it's, it's called, We Have Become Tame and Tethered. So the first couple of pages, she talks about the wild Mustangs on, in the Outer Banks, which I think is really cool. I really, I really liked how she talked about the wild horses and Eve because she was the first wild woman. <laughs> so that was kind of a fun comparison. On top of 25, um, she's talking about the horse. Um, she knows exactly who she is without being told. She's not caught up in the trappings of the world because she is wild. So she's never been told how to live, what to do, how to be. She's just living her life. And that's kind of what she got out of seeing those horses. And then with Eve on page 26, she says, I picture Eve being just like that Mustang. I imagine that she lived in a very pure and wild state, secure in who she was and confident in her purpose. I imagine her looking God full in the face, smiling because she knows she is right where she was always meant to be. And she goes on, isn't afraid to ask questions, is imaginative and creative, 
and seeing beauty in creation. Now, she's just assuming these things because it's not in the Bible. This doesn't explain all of this about Eve. She's just kind of assuming because, I mean, there was no one there to judge her, right? <laughs> Except for God um, and Adam. But, you know, she didn't really have to be part of society because there was no society. But I just think that's kind of a cool comparison. Um, at the bottom of 26, she says, both live out the reality that their identity and purpose are uncomplicated and unhindered by their own insecurity or need for acknowledgement. They were created, cared for, and set free to do what they were made to do. Um, I don't know if I highlighted it, but there's a part where she talks about being broken. Like the only time that, what is she? I think it was before this. Anyway, there's a part in here about the only time a horse conforms to what humans tell it to do is when they're broken. And she doesn't want us to feel broken and, you know, go with what the world says. I liked how she worded that. If I could find it, I would read it. But if anybody knows where it is, go ahead and read it. Um, okay. Well, anyway. Um, I like what she says on, let me go back, on 29 at the bottom, she says the only reference to a chief call, she's talking about people who think that, you know, motherhood is the highest calling or, you know, staying home or being in the workforce. You know, some people think that those are the highest calling and there's no other calling than that. And she says the only reference to a chief call on anyone's life is found in Matthew 6.33, seek first the father's kingdom and his righteousness so I, I believe that god made us all individually individual and unique because he has different tasks for us to do i mean if we all did the same thing how boring would that be you know i mean we would all reach the same people we would all do the same exact thing every single day and that would be super boring and we wouldn't reach the people that needed to be reached by individuals you know what i mean because you know erica has a different mission on her life than i do and Shelly has a different mission on her life because we all live in different places. So how can we all reach the same people in the same way if, you know, if we're living in all different places and God put a different need on our heart or um, a different calling on our heart? Like, we, I mean, obviously we have to seek first Father, our Father's kingdom and his righteousness, but we all do that in a different way. Go ahead, Nella. You have to unmute. Okay. Get it? Okay. Um, I'm going to teach. Icon. Got it. Uh, okay. It's on, it's on 29, mm -hmm. and it's Julio. It's ladies, this is what scares me when the horse is finally tamed and trained, bearing the burden of the saddle and human expectation alike. She is called broken. Mm -hmm. and only then where that she performs the duty aspect of the film. Yeah. I think and that's what you were looking for. Oh, shoot. And it's worldly expectation is the problem. Um, I mean, obviously God has expectations of us, but 
the worldly expectations are where we get into trouble. Um, does anyone have anything to talk about in this chapter? Because I need to step away for one second. Uh, I highlighted something on page 28 um, in the middle when she says the truth remains that we were brought forth in the midst of a battle regarding our worth, purpose, and our assumed role in this life. And it was kind of goes along with what Christy was saying. At first glance, the battle lines seem clear, but in reality, the voices and messages are complicated at best. The confusion lies in the deception that began with Eve's partaking of the shiny, beautiful fruit because someone told her that was best for her. And I think that really connects with what us. And when we go along with other people's expectations of who we are and what we, sh we should do, it, it ends badly. But when we embrace who God made us specifically to be, me, Erica, PJ, Christy, Sue, when we embrace that specifically, um, I mean, there's nothing that God can't do with that. So I, I like that, that focus that it's, it's only when Eve did what somebody else told her was best for her that she messed up. Yep. Yep, that's true. All right, so on 33, right in the middle, it says, and the truth, dear friends, is this. Our standing has never wavered with our father. Though the world has twisted what it means to be a daughter, his stance and his position toward us has absolutely stayed resolute. The world cannot dictate what it means to be treasured by our father, but the love and relationship of our heavenly father can heal and transcend and any the damage done here on earth. Our standing has never wavered with our father. No matter what you do, no matter how many times you fall and fail and turn your back on him, he's always going to be there for you. That's one thing, probably the only thing that was consistent in 2020 was that God was there. No matter what happened, no matter who got sick or who was rioting against whatever, whoever got nominated for whatever seat and whatever government building, God is still in control. God is still on his throne and he still finds value in you and loves you and treasures you as his daughter. How amazing. Like I just started thinking about the fear of God because he is so big and mighty and thinks that I'm important. And that's just so special to me. How can we not have reverence for him when he finds me as special as a giant ocean? Like he made me just with just as much love as his, all of his creation. That's just so awesome. Um, so the next paragraph actually, it says the creator of the universe didn't just love and speak us into being. He also called us good. The same word he called the massive majestic oceans and the sun that lights our solar system and keeps us all sustained. He sent his son to make a way for us while we were still broken and sinful and sitting with our fingers in our ears, unwilling to hear the truth. Just sit in that for a second. Like he, he did all of that for, for us when we weren't even ready to accept it and receive it. And he knew we weren't. 
but he also knew that he loved us no matter what. Um, I think it's in a different chapter, but yeah, it's in a different chapter, so I'll get to it then, but it's something really cool that my pastor said that we'll get to. Um, so on 35, she says toward the top, um, you are called by our great God to run wild into our culture, calling out an incredible message of life. God loves you, world. God loves you and made a way for you. Come with me. You don't have to live lost and alone. My dad has a place for you. He says he sees you as his ultimate treasure. I'm just so in awe of that. Like, I matter to him, the God of the universe. I matter. And again, in the <laughs> another chapter of this book, I have a song written down called Sparrows by Corey Asbury. I'm getting ahead of myself. But he says, you know, the, the, the birds don't worry about tomorrow because they know God's going to provide. It's not exactly, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it's, you know, they already know that they're secure. So why are we worried about it? <laughs> because God loves us just as much as the sparrows, you know. Um, and then I like farther down on 35, she talks about putting people on pedestals. Um, so like the men and women on stage on the back of the books, they are, can certainly be guides, but they can never take the place of Jesus as the one who intercedes for us. If they do, our hopes are misplaced. I tried several times to meet with a friend of mine from church and we were just going to have like lunch and coffee, whatever. Um, a little play date for the kids, um, probably about four months ago or so. Um, we were just going to hang out and I had a couple of things I wanted to talk to her about, like God related and my, my faith and everything. And it, it kept getting blocked. Like she had to move it and then I had to move it. And then my husband went to the hospital the day that we were supposed to finally meet. And I just started taking it as like a sign from God, like stop looking to people to find out what you need to know about your faith and start looking to me. So that's what I heard from that. So I started opening my Bible more and I started praying more and I ended up hearing what I needed to hear and understanding that a little better. Um, in the same vein, my husband keeps trying to meet with one of our pastors at church and it keeps getting moved and changed and whatever. I said, maybe God's sending you the same message. <laughs> maybe he wants you to just dig into the Bible instead of hearing what someone else has to say about God. Maybe you should read what God said about himself. So it's very important not to put earthly people on pedestals. All right. Um, and then this next part about her daughter on page 36, I love the comparison she makes here with her daughter and, and her husband and us being daughters of God. Um, says, if we are indeed a treasure, if we don't need priests to intercede for us, and if we're born to be wild and free, then this changes everything, including how we talk to God. And then she talks about her daughter, Glory, and I'm going to skip down to the next paragraph. She is a daughter who knows her standing. She is a daughter who knows that the lines of communication are always open. She loves to talk to her dad. She doesn't go through a middleman or ask her brothers to tell her dad what he said, to tell her what he said. If she is confused, hurt, lonely, or scared, she goes right up to his lap and grabs his face and asks for attention. Shoot, she'll kick a few shins to get there if need be. 
So what if we treated God the same way and we just walked up to him and we're like, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. I really need you to like, can we just talk about this? And I started doing that on my way to work. In the mornings, I used to listen to worship music or, um, you know, listen to a podcast or have something going into my ears. And I finally just said, you know, what if I just rode to work in silence? And I just listened to what God had to say to me. And I prayed and just had some quiet time. And it has changed everything. I literally talked to him like he's sitting in the passenger seat of my car with me. Early do, I'm like, hey, so this is what I need today. Like, I'm going to need you to, you know, help me out with this. Um, and as I drive, I'm just like, thank you for these trees. Thank you for the sunrise. Thank you for no traffic on my way to work. Thank you for a car that works, you know, just everything. Because I want to thank him for things. And I, the lines of communication is, you know, prayer. So I've been listening. If you guys um, got have been able to access the Spotify playlist, this is on the, I think it's uh, Moving Into Stillness um, playlist. It's called Broken Prayers, and if you listen to the words when she sings this, it's so beautiful. Um, you want my tears. I'm going to try not to cry. Every messy word, every scar, every fear. <sighs> Thought I was going to be able to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do this. You want all I have with no holding back. When I'm hurt at my worst, you meet me there because you see my beauty and my broken prayers, my broken prayers. At the beginning, it talks about, like, I've been taught how to talk to you, hold it together, make the bad look better, see all the words that I'm supposed to say, bow my head and say amen. Like, that's how we're all taught to pray. But really, if you just pour your heart out and just say what needs to be said, he wants to hear all of that. So think of him as your dad sitting next to you. All right, here we go. Here's the sparrows part. <laughs> from Corey Asbury. His song is called Sparrows. It's really, really nice. Good song. Um, on the, on page 38 towards the bottom, um, it's the last paragraph. We've misplaced the truth that he loves us more than the lilies, which he clothes in splendor. It's Matthew 6, 28 and 29. His love and presence are no longer what spices our life and makes our world sweet. Yeah, so we just don't, we don't trust that he loves us and will provide for us. That's why I wrote down that song about the sparrows. Um, trying to, I didn't look up the words, but um, like they're not worried about tomorrow because that's, you know, tomorrow's problem. One of my coworkers, her name is Becky, and she she says, "I'm not going to worry about that today. That's tomorrow Becky's problem." <laughs> so that's that's my tomorrow self's problem. So I don't worry about tomorrow. God's got it. Um, on the middle of 39, she says, but if we want, um, I'll start at the beginning of the paragraph, second full paragraph down. Um, yes, we live in a world filled to the brim with trappings, but if we want to go back to the wild, we have to be willing to pack light. We can go back, we can be reborn wild. That's what this book is all about. Um, and I like the next paragraph, she says, and it's never too late to say yes. And I love the saying, if if I'm not dead, God's not done. So it's never too late. The first best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best is right now. So yeah, I mean, you probably could have done a lot more if you had started this faith journey 20 years ago, but I mean, look at all the things you could do if you start right now. Because in 20 years, you're going to say, man, I would have started 20 years ago. <laughs> so just do it.
All right, on page 40, so that's at the very top, it says, let's talk to our dad as if he's really listening and actually cares. And that's where I was going to talk about praying in the car. I got so excited about all my stories. <laughs> I said them too quickly. But, um, you know, I, I, I literally, like I said, you know, I pray like he's sitting beside me in the car. He's just my friend riding in the car with me. He's, he's my dad hanging out. Um, and he actually really does care. So, um, I like that they do a prayer and then they respond to each other's chapters at the end. I'm going to read the end of Haley's response. It says, if you knew your rightful inheritance was a beautiful and exotic garden, would you not walk like it? Well, your eternal inheritance is that amazing. And it's okay to have a little wild, excited swagger in your step. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're called to be different. We should not look like the world. We should not act like the world. And that's, that's that little swagger because you know what's coming later. All right, anything else from chapter one? Okay, chapter two is written by Haley Morgan and it's called, We Have Become Caged by Our Limitations. Um, let's see, so in the middle of 43, she says, it is because we know we are seen and kept by our heavenly father that we can put down our armor and unfurl our hearts. Excuse me. Um, I really, what I like about this chapter, she's talking about like being defensive and how we can use like defense mechanisms to kind of, um, you know, ward off the expectations of the world. Um, so I, I highlighted like one sentence out of each one of these kinds, just so we can briefly go over them. Um, the Iron Woman is people never believe me when I say I'm fine. Life has to go on and really I'm okay. I think to some extent I, I resonate with that for sure. Um, because I don't hold on to stuff for very long. Some stuff I kind of do if it's like major, but I kind of work through it. Like today we had a little snafu this morning and I was like, whatever, it's done. Can't go back and fix it. Keep moving. It's fine. So, you know, I just kind of resonate with that. I really am fine. It's fine. Let's move on. Um, the Achiever, it really irritates me when people don't know who I am. I don't expect anybody to know who I am. Um, the Sacred and Small, my biggest fear. If anybody, if this speaks to anybody, just go ahead and feel free to chat about it. Um, the Sacred and Small, my biggest fear is getting shut down, told no, that I'm out of line, told I'm too much. So if I keep quiet and small in the first place, I figure this won't even happen. She talks about a roly-poly, how they like roll up into a tight ball so you can't hurt them. <laughs> kind of a uh, visual to go along with that one. Um, the regretter is I've done things my mother would disown me for if she knew. Um, the controller is when things don't go how I've planned or if I just don't know the plan someone else has made, I can feel my shoulders getting tense gotta be in control. The challenger, I feel like I'm always defending my position. Always gotta be right. You're standing up for yourself. The restless wanderer, I wonder sometimes if I'm running away when things get hard. Um, 40, at top of 46, it says the busy bee. Somehow I always end up on the go. And she's 
she's using examples in here like I've spent 30 minutes in my house in the last month, which we all know that's not true for any of us, but <laughs> we, we get the point, right? Before 2020 happened, um, some people were really on the go. Um, the next one is the victim. I look at other people who have perfect families or great jobs and I wonder why I didn't get to have that kind of life. Kind of already talked about that. Stay in your lane, right? This is your lane. This is your goal. This is their goal. Stop comparing. Anyways, um, the perfectionist, which we all know I'm recovering from, so I'm already got my hand up. Um, if something is less than perfect, I'm annoyed. 100%. All right. So those are some of the defense mechanisms. And then this really spoke to me on 47. She says, maybe you've learned to assess each situation you're in and proceed accordingly to stay inside the lines and are able to please everyone around you. So moving into this house, there's lots of different people here. There's lots of different ideas and thoughts and perspectives. And it's, it was kind of hard when we first moved in to try to like, I was trying to make everybody happy. You know, I mean, I need to be happy too. It is also my house. So it was just, that kind of spoke to me because it was just very, <laughs> it was interesting putting everybody in the same house. And just a new house. I mean, my husband thought he owned the kitchen. Well, I did tell him it was his kitchen. I mean, it is a really nice kitchen and he is the one that primarily cooks. So I guess I'll give him like half of it. <laughs> um, so she talks about meekness may not mean what you think it means on page 48. Um, and I'm going to jump over to 49. She on 48, she talks about how when she was growing up, she was older than her two brothers, and she was constantly told to, like, you know, kind of be a little smaller so that your brothers can have the limelight. Um, so she says at the top of 49, she says, I believed I should be small so I would be valued. Um, next line down, I believe living at my full capacity would make my brother feel insecure at, about his, um, yeah, about his abilities. I shouldn't be too big or make my brother feel too small. Um, my heart kind of breaks for her a little bit. Like she says, you know, her, her dad didn't do it with the intention of trying to like, you know, put out her fire, but it's kind of what he did. So she, I like that she's, um, very careful about what she does with her boys and doesn't do the same thing to them. Um, on page 50, she talks about, um, what the word meekness means. So in the Greek, the word I'm going to say this probably wrong. Pros, it's P-R-A-U-S, is used in 1 Peter 3, 4 to describe the characteristics of gentleness or meekness. Um, they define meekness as exercising God's strength under his control, i.e. demonstrating power without undue harshness. Um, and then a few lines down, it says, biblical meekness is never weakness. Rather, it is the harnessing of God-given strength. So I like that because a lot of people think that if you're like small and quiet, that you're weak, which is not true, especially if you have God behind you. Um, I mean, I think because we're supposed to look different and we're supposed to act different, um, people see that as a weakness because we're not acting like the world and we're not following along what they say we should do. So, oh, they must be like weird or strange or whatever. Um, well, we've got God behind us. So I think we're more mighty than anything. So, um, so what holds women back from free living is the next section. Um, I like that she says we are living defensively rather than living wildly and freely, which is 
basically what we're talking about this whole book, being wild and free. Um, we are bound up by our own fears and self-imposed limitations rather than walking freely in God's purpose for our lives. Um, so yeah, then she says the defensive posture plays out differently for all of us, obviously, because we read all those defense mechanisms. Um, so then on 51, she says, wherever you are, God is calling you to freedom. Well, let's refer back to our memory verse. Um, you know, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So wherever you are, God is calling you to freedom. So what I love most about this verse is that it says, you know, don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Like, don't pick it back up. If you give it to God, leave it there. We talk about this all the time in here. <coughs> oh, you wanted to say something, Sue? Sorry. <laughs> you had your hand. <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, does she want to talk? <laughs> all right. Um, so on 53, um, right in the middle, it says challenging expectations is wise, but abandoning them defensively is not. So we, we want to challenge the world's expectations, but you don't, um, but you don't want to completely abandon them. Um, the next line in Romans 12 two, um, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You can push back on the ways culture bosses you around and still listen to those who love you well. So, I mean, I think if you know the intentions of the person that you're, that's talking to you and trying to encourage you in one way or the other, I mean, respect that they love you, respect that they care about you, it may not be what you need to hear or what needs to actually happen, but I mean, at least don't be like, oh, whatever, that's dumb. You know, don't be rude about it. <laughs> I don't think God wants us to be rude. So, well, Christy, really quick at the mm -hmm. top of that page, the beginning mm -hmm. of the paragraph, but we don't necessarily need to back or buck all expectations. She says, as you consider the expectations you live by, use discernment. That's, that's the key, the discernment to know, like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Why are they telling me this? And even, even the world's expectations, okay, what can I use? Because maybe, maybe I was built to be a mother in the kitchen and that's okay mm -hmm. too. It's not that we have to completely um, disregard the world, but it's that discernment. Right. I want to look up a scripture really quick. So, um, and I'll have this ready. And I um, she actually writes it later in the book, but it's not written in this particular part. So um, she's talking about the quest for control. Um, so in the middle of 54, she says, it is the very nature of this fallen earth to let us down and leave us fractured. This is the cultural brokenness you and I have grown up with. And then the next paragraph, I believe this brokenness has imprinted in our very nature, uh, the need to regain control. Um, and then I love on 55, she says, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's control. 
So if we have faith, we trust that he's got us. If we don't have faith, then we need to have control, which we never had control. And that was something I think a lot of people had to learn very hard last year is that you thought you were in control <laughs> and everybody felt that control being ripped away from them. But I mean, you never had it. So <laughs> that was a hard one to figure out. Um, and then the fear of failure. Uh, she says, if you're not living in freedom, you're living in fear. Fear and love cannot occupy the same space. So I wanted to think on that and I wanted to dig into that. So later in this chapter, she actually writes out the entire passage of 1 John 4. Um, I think it's 7 through 19 is what she writes in the book. But 18 stuck out to me in reference to this. And it says, there is no fear in love. The perfect love, but, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So I think that's the clarity I needed because I always try to go back to the Bible to get clarity and make sure because any book that we read, I mean, obviously it's written by a human being and you hope that they have good intentions, but as we saw, what, in October, no, November, we read a book that we didn't necessarily agree with at the end. So I think that they had good intentions, but it wasn't necessarily something that we felt was something that we, I think most of us agreed that we disagreed with that. But, um, so, you know, I always want to refer back to the Bible when I'm questioning something. Um, but yeah, fear and love cannot occupy the same space, which I think is really beautiful. Um, so, <clears throat> mm -hmm. so obviously I skipped over this whole, that whole section because it does not apply to me. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I almost said <laughs> I was that waiting for you to say to you. <laughs> I, know. I was waiting for you to say something to me. Um, but also this fear thing, whatever, that makes me laugh because here, here's the thing. Fear is like the number one weapon of Satan, which automatically takes it off the shelf for me because it's an illusion. Nothing, no, no bullet he has in his gun is firing anything but blanks. So right. what is there to be afraid of? Plus God commands us not to be afraid. Mm -hmm. It's not a suggestion. It's not a, eh, you know, don't, you know, he, you know, he's a father lies. He says, no, he says fear not. That's it. So period back to like what you said about the bible if that if that's what he said then that's it there is no interpretation there's no conversation the conversation is over and i'm going on to the next section <laughs> um so second timothy 1 7 this was our verse of the month a couple months ago it says for god has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power love and self-discipline so in the same vein you said fear is not of god and it's it says it right there in the Bible, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear's not something God's ever going to give you. So if you're afraid of something other than the fear of God, but we've talked about that too, that's a whole different beast. And that's in the later in our discussion tonight. But anyway, um, yeah, that's not the same type of fear. That's a, that's a respect back to what you were saying in the beginning about how big God is. Yeah. Yeah. It's respectful. It's not the, the fake fear mm -hmm. of failure all these f's <laughs> F. 
All right. On 56, I appreciate her honesty toward the bottom. It says, fear has ruled my life and rung in my ears. It is a dance that has made me crazy for years, and sometimes I still can't quite shake it. Sometimes I still have obsessive thoughts about this fear of conflict, and I still sinfully respond in selfish self-protection. I just appreciate her honesty. Like, she's not perfect, and I think before you put somebody on a pedestal, like, let's look behind the Instagram feed and see what their real life looks like because all you're seeing is the pretty stuff on Instagram. You're not seeing the background stuff. So I do, I do deeply appreciate her honesty in this book. Um, I feel bad for her because she is really raked with this fear of um, confrontation. Like I don't like confrontation, but if it, something needs to be dealt with, it's gonna be dealt with. I can't let it keep getting over on me, but. Um, and then on top of page 57, he's already found us out, our worst fears and failures and all, and he's chosen us anyway. So, um, I'm probably going to write about this in the blog, but I have, um, have you guys seen the, the show Chosen, the TV series? Um, I got one of the sweatshirts for, um, for Christmas and it says the Chosen on it. And as I was walking into the doctor's office today, I was like, I've, I've thought this a couple of different times. Like, I wonder if somebody thinks like I'm arrogant and thinks that I'm the Chosen. Like, okay. I was like, like a little voice whispered in my ear was like, but you are, you are Chosen. You are special. You are mine. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess I have chosen them. So I'm going to wear this proudly. <laughs> I love that. Cause more, well, more than that, it's not just even that you were chosen or called, he called you by name. Mm -hmm. That's personal. Yeah. And, um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in because oh. I want to be honest here. Um, I struggled with her mm. because, um, even in the beginning where she was naming like the different kinds of people, I'm like, no. No, no, still not me. <laughs> I am full on a damn the torpedoes full speed ahead kind of woman. Uh, you know, they talk about introverts and extroverts. I'm an ambivert. I'll do whichever I need to do to get the, the job done. So definitely I connect with Jess. You're the girl for the job. Yep. I'm just, you know, just like her. So I was struggling. I'm like, man, how does Jess, how is she around this energy? Because I... I know I would probably, I'd probably hurt this port. She'd be the roly poly in my presence, <laughs> not because I purposefully was trying to hurt her or anything, but just, I don't know. It was, it's just crazy. But there, there were some things like she definitely said about like with the meekness, I really, you're talking about, you appreciated her honesty. I also appreciated a different way of seeing that because yeah, I, the way I am could see somebody being meek as being very ineffective, weak, like get out of my way because you're just, you're, let me do this. I got it. But when yeah. she said um, that it wasn't, it's, it's God's power. That really, that really hit me because um, made me think that I can look at someone like Haley and think, okay, that, that is not me. But if she is embracing her identity as a daughter of the king then that even that meekness is going to be used for just as much of a, a force as my in your face energy so mm -hmm. i really like that balance here yeah um and some of your your aggressiveness of the let like let's go do it that would you know get in people's way and may not want them to approach you know you might not be approachable to them 
So someone like Haley is much more approachable because she's like small and quiet and, you know, she seems like somebody maybe I could go talk to. So God's going to use her in that way where you're a go-getter and you're like, let's do this. You know, he's going to use that in a different way. So that's why it's so beautiful that we're all so unique and we can do what we're called to do in a completely different way. It's, It's so cool. What I love to, because it makes it makes us conscious of those different ways from us. Because yeah, so yeah. someone like me could partner with someone like Haley, and then she's in front because that's that's the personality that needs to connect with that person. Which means I also need to guard myself from okay, I'm behind her. I need to not be like <laughs> scared of people. I know. <laughs> or they're trying to look at her, and then here's me <laughs> that scared them. So, uh, yeah, it makes me a lot more conscious too of how I can, okay, so sometimes I need to be the one to handle things where someone like Haley would then be just, you know, stay in the back and I'll let you know, you know, if you're needed. And then in other times though, I need to learn how to use my same energy because that's, that's who I was made to be to support someone like Haley. And that's something that's important for my uh, personal ministry and what I'm doing um, in my life to learn those different types of strengths that especially that are different from mine and how can I not just bring those together but also how can I support their strengths also yeah yep absolutely I mean I think that Jess brings Haley out of her shell a little bit and Haley probably grounds Jess a little bit and is like okay hold on you're getting a little crazy. So I think that's why it's nice to have two different personalities working together. And I think that's why a lot of um, marriages work out so well, because the two people are so different that um, Jordan Lee Dooley, who we read her book, um, Own Your Everyday last year, uh, actually, sorry, that was our very first book in June of 2019. But anyway, um, she says that she's a balloon and her husband holds the string and like (laughs) anchors her down to like, okay, don't go blowing away like I I got your got your string here I'm anchoring you down (laughs) so I think that works really well in a lot of marriages because you know some people would just go off y'all crazy but their uh, person has their back all right so next section is the shame cycle um she says bring this on page 57 bring yourself low and step into the light knowing that Jesus is right there with you and then jump down a couple well I'll read the rest confess your yuck and ask for and ask forgiveness for the sin you committed and for the pain you caused there is nothing like the freedom that comes from confession and repentance and then so I didn't read this right I thought she was saying first in John 4 7 through 19 but it was first John I thought she got the reference wrong anyway um that's why I had to go back and look it up but I was like is it John or first John I'm confused okay anyways um because I actually did read this on the podcast last week I I read first John 4 I was like this sounds really familiar I'm pretty sure I read this but then it says it's from John 4 so I'm curious but anyway um look at me in a book club can't even read anyways um so bring yourself low and step into the light knowing that Jesus is right there with you um just talking about like forgiveness and especially asking for forgiveness because I recently had a conversation with someone that isn't great at accepting responsibility um, and saying sorry. So it's, it's a little uh, 
challenging when they won't step up to their part of it. But anyway, um, yeah, whether you're the one who needs forgiveness or you're holding back your forgiveness from someone else, you need to bring that junk into the light. I'm reading right above where I read before. If you need forgiveness from someone, go and ask them. Um, and then on 58, the first paragraph after the verses, it says, the fact that God has forgiven us and thrown off our shame is our launching point for offering forgiveness to others. We've talked about this in other months. You know, we, we are called to forgive like God. So that means if the person asks for forgiveness, we're supposed to forgive them. Also, we have to offer forgiveness to relieve ourselves from the weight and the pressure um, that's bogging us down. Because a lot of times, like we've talked about before, like maybe the person doesn't even know that they did anything wrong. So you have all this, you know, you're upset and everything, and they don't even know they were even upset. <laughs> um, I like this, this part too, a couple of paragraphs down. It says, holy conviction leads to repentance while shame only leads to bondage and hiding. Holy conviction can also lead to bondage and hiding, I feel like, but that's only if you put that on yourself. Like God's not gonna put that bondage and hiding on you. That's you putting shame on yourself. But holy conviction is not gonna put you in bondage and hiding. Um, Shame cannot exist in the light, though it flourishes in the darkness. That's a whole nother topic. I could talk about the light and dark, but. Um, then on 59, it says, it's much easier to cast shame on others than admit when we've been wrong. Which is kind of how that conversation went that I was talking about. <clears throat> in the next paragraph, however, holding conflict with open hands and trusting the Lord to convict the other person can be freeing for you. If you are dealing with another believer, you can trust that God is working in their life too. You may not trust the person, but you can trust God. Um, I'm definitely praying about the situation. Um, I, I want God to speak to that person and help them to see if and how they've done something wrong, because it's not for me to say, that's, that's God. Um, next paragraph, it says, seek God for forgiveness for your own faults and then throw off the shame because God has forgiven you. You need only ask. And that goes back to what I said earlier. You know, if you ask God, it's already forgiven. All you have to do is ask and we're called to forgive that way as well. Um, on page 60, it says, when we are brave and expose our own sin, we walk out of darkness into the light where repentance and holy acceptance can occur. And that's the whole, you know, darkness doesn't exist if there's one shred of light anywhere to be found. So all you have to do is walk into the light. Even if it means you got to expose yourself. All right. And then Jess's response to this at the bottom, it says on 61, it says, I dare you ladies, let it come undone. Don't apologize for your tears or qualify how you feel. God isn't freaked out by our pain or what we're really feeling. He just wants us to share it with him rather than bury it and pretend like it's not there. He is there. He is here to listen and here to love. So again, going back to, you know, just talk to God like he's right there with you and that he's your friend and he really cares because he really, really does. Anything else in chapter two you guys want to talk about?
right, chapter three, God of the Wild. I should probably count how many times they say wild in this book because it's a lot, especially this chapter. Um, she also talks about his glory a lot. <clears throat> in the middle of 65, she says, the point of our worship is not our joy or our advancement. God's sole purpose in calling his people to worship him is allowing him to give him, is allowing them to give him glory because he wants it. Our pastor always says, you know, worship is the only way to truly just praise God without getting anything in return. As far as, you know, every word you say when you're worshiping him, it's all going up to him and you're giving him the glory, essentially. So, I, you guys, you, you may not know, I, like, have a worship song in my head at all times. I literally wake up in the morning and I have a song in my head and sometimes God puts it there for days and days and days. And I'm like, okay, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what is this that you've got in my head? I listen to Amadeo. I don't remember who that's by, but really good song. It's on one of the playlists. <laughs> if you um, want to look at it, I can find it if you guys want to know. Let me know. Um, it's called Amadeo. Revolutionary was in my head for a really long time by Josh Wilson. And I did post something about that. Um, I can't remember. Almost every morning I wake up with a song in my head. I don't always know all the words, but man, when I'm in the car talking to God, I'm usually singing whatever that song is that's stuck in my head too. But almost every day. And it's a different song. It's so crazy because it, it's not a song that I had just listened to. It's just some random worship song that apparently I need that day. Um, let's see. <clears throat> Let's see, on 66, um, she says, we are not the main characters in the greatest story ever told. I think that's really important, especially at Christmas time, to share is that Jesus is the main character of that story. It's not Santa, it's not the gifts, it's not the tree, it's Jesus. Because um, it's not about us. And he wants everyone to know that. He is a selfish God. And that's okay, because he created all of this. He should be selfish, right? Um, he wants all the glory. Then he chose his people for his glory. My child is up there like running a car across the floor right above my head. Sorry if you guys can hear that. Um, he chose his people for his glory. He rescues us. It's the middle of 66. Um, he rescues us for his glory and he raises up leaders among us for his glory. Uh, he defeats our enemies for his glory. He gives us victory for his glory. He drives us near after, he draws us near after we sin for his glory, and he saves us for his glory. Jesus was about his father's glory as well. Um, it says, um, Hebrews 1.3, it says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word after he has provided purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Let's see, and then she talks again. I, I just, I, I'm so, I'm really digging into being like heaven focused and I, I posted today the topic Tuesday's kingdom focused. I'm really like, for some reason, God just got me like on this path where like, you need to think about heaven. Like it's not about here on earth. It's not about this stuff. Like we're here for a reason and we need to complete our purpose, but this is not what it's about. It's about our eternity in heaven with Jesus. The next paragraph, it says the residuals for us are incredible. There's no doubt. 
we get eternity, everlasting life, earthly spiritual abundance, and we get our needs met. Um, that goes back to like, we're more important than the birds and they have everything they need. So we have everything we need. Uh, on 67, she says, when we stumble into the easy mistake of thinking that God is about us or his purpose is solely to do our will and our bidding, it makes him so small. But that's how our human brain works is we have to make it fit into our little box, which I think, is this the section she's talking about that? No, there is a section that we, we put God in a box. And it's true because we can't fathom the vastness of his being. So we put it in this little tiny box that fits here on earth that makes sense to us. So um, a few lines down, she says, he is more in control than we could ever perceive. And he is wildly in love with you and concerned with the details of your life. You are never too much for him. And you are always just enough to the God who lovingly created you. I think, I think that speaks again to, you know, he put you exactly where you need to be, exactly to fulfill your purpose. He knew what was going to happen. Um, so you, how could you possibly be too much for him? He created you. You're always just enough. All right, on 68, she says, but this God, he is the only one truly worthy of being set aside and honored and put on a pedestal to worship. And then I really like this part. She talks about celebrities don't invite us over for coffee after we follow them on Instagram. And famous pastors don't call to pray for us. Um, but you can call on God anytime, no matter what. It's two in the morning. I bet you if you DM somebody on Instagram, they're not even going to know it. But if you say, God, I, we need to talk. He's always there for you. And that's the difference between putting a human on a pedestal versus God. Um, the next paragraph, she says, it ends in our gain, our intimacy with him and our identity being built up and solidified. Setting God higher than ourselves doesn't mean he is untouchable. So it's not above us, like, oh, I can't reach. Um, he's just bigger. Proverbs 1.7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, so I don't know if you read this part, Erica, but <laughs> the next paragraph says, worldly fear drives us away from the objects of our reverence, but the fear of the Lord pulls us in closer. So just that one sentence. I'm sure you didn't just skip that. <laughs> no, I read it. I read it. Okay. But again, it's back to, it's not the same kind of fear as what yeah. Satan uses. Satan's, it's smoke and mirrors at best. Mm -hmm. This is, this is godly fear. And that's power that's real and it's a different it's a different kind it's that respect reverence yeah and that's something that i, I was pulling into the starbucks drive-thru praying on my way to work and i i literally was like god help me understand the fear of the lord like I don't, I don't i know i'm not scared of you i mean that's not what this means but help me to understand that i said you're just so amazing and like awesome and i just started crying and i was like what it is i'm so in awe that's what i said i said i'm so in awe and like i just like tears instantly i don't know if you've ever had that happen but i really feel like god was like that's it you just said it that was it you, you're in awe of me that's what fear of the lord means and i just started crying in the starbucks drive-through i was like okay i need to order okay calm down <laughs> so yeah i mean he wants he wants you to be closer 
not shy away from him. Like if you find a spider and you're afraid of spiders, you want to like get as far away from that thing as possible, right? But if you fear the Lord, that makes you want to draw near. Um, and then Psalm 25, 14 tells us that the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. So that's that closeness. You know, he wants to be friends with you and he wants you to know what his intentions are and what his plan is. But if he revealed it all at the same time, your mind would be blown and you would probably never move toward whatever it is he has for you. I mean, this book club might grow to be millions, which I seriously doubt. But, you know, if I knew that right now, I'd be like, oh, okay. I don't think that's going to work. Like, no, no, maybe we'll just stop here. <laughs> but if, you know, if I know his plan in 10 years, I might be terrified and not take another step. So... I think uh, I think that's part of that wild adventure Jess is talking about. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter's been really struggling lately with this this irrational fear of dying, and her thing is that she doesn't understand the concept of heaven, and she, it's time. She's like, she, I mean, she's eleven years old, and she's like, but to do the same thing for eternity. That's going to get so boring. I don't want to do that. And, and I was trying to explain to her, I said, um, you're thinking of time in human terms In human terms, it's, it's finite, but God doesn't work that way. Time for him doesn't, it doesn't even really exist. Not the way we think of it because he always was. So there, I mean, he's a circle. There's no beginning or end. And I was trying to tell her too, kind of what you were saying right there, Christy, when God says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. We can't, even if, like you said, he would tell us, we, there's no way we could comprehend it at all. So that goes back to that, that fear. It's almost like a, my dad can beat up your dad. No, really <laughs> my dad can right? beat up all of your dads. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. And there was an image I saw one time about like like what it's like to to have that total faith and it was like um like a huge storm or waterfall or something like that and there was like this little bird just like in their nest or something you know yeah pj you know what i'm talking about i it, i'm vaguely remembering it but it's like that kind of that thing and what we talked about before the the eye of the storm like you're like literally in the middle of all of it just chilling because our dad is the storm yeah so yeah, I love, yeah. I love that. I wish I could help people that don't understand God's peace feel what I felt when my husband was getting ready to go to open heart surgery. It was bound you to can. happen, guys. I do it like every, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting deep into it tonight, so I'm going to cry. But, but you can't because it's past understanding. That's what it says. <laughs> I know. I don't, I don't understand, so I can't possibly describe it. And that's, that's yeah. my problem is like, I want you to feel this. Like, I wish I could just like make you feel it for a second. But I mean, I wasn't scared for a single second. I really wasn't. He prepared my heart for this. He showed me there was going to be a battle. He showed me that there was going to be this giant that we had to overcome. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea where it was coming from. I had no clue we were going to walk through this, but it happened. And as soon as it did, like it snapped in my head, I was in my boss's office of all places. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I started crying and she's like, what's wrong? <laughs> like, what's, what's wrong? And I said, I, I just realized this is the battle God's preparing, been preparing my heart for. And because he prepared me for it, but didn't show me what it was, 
I was able to have a piece that was that is truly beyond understanding because I, I wish I can't even form the words to help you understand like I literally not for one second ever feared that anything bad was going to happen to him and he had the same peace which I really feel like helped me to maintain my peace but one of our pastors came up to the hospital when we were sitting there waiting um for him to come out I was just sitting in a chair you know like relaxed and I think I had my laptop I was doing something he's like guys okay we're like we're good like okay I mean I think he just expected us to be like twiddling our thumbs and like oh my gosh being so nervous I was like God's got this I I I can't I don't know It's, it's only because of God that I was able to get through that with the peace that I had I give him all the glory because he wants the glory and I want to give it to him and he deserves it because, uh, okay, anyway, since I don't have words, let's move on to something else that I do have words for. All right. On the bottom of 69, um, the relentless love of a wild God. At the bottom, it says our father isn't just holy beyond all other things and worthy of our holy fear. He is also wildly lovingly loving toward us. He loves, oh my gosh. I'm hitting a wall, guys. His love <laughs> defies all reason, all common sense, and any condition of reward or return. It's just that crazy. Um, I know you guys, I'm sure you have heard the song Reckless Love by Corey Asbury. Um, he leaves the 99 to go find the one, which is ridiculous. Why would you leave the 99 sheep you know you have to get one? Statistically, that doesn't make any sense. Logically, it doesn't make any sense. But God doesn't make sense to our earthly beings. Um, But yeah, every single time, he's going to leave all those ones that he knows he has to go find you. And that is completely reckless, completely unreasonable, and completely God. Because it doesn't make any sense. And when he came out with this song, I have a a little book that he wrote about the song. It's called Reckless Love. I haven't read the whole thing, but he starts at the beginning. He talks about how he got a lot of backlash for calling it reckless love. Like, oh, you're calling God reckless. He's like, it is reckless. (laughs) Why would you leave this whole flock to go find one? Why is that one so important? But to God, every single one is important. The relentless love, of course, made me think reckless love. Sorry, we're running late because I'm so excited about this. Um, I'm going to jump to 71 so that we can move on. Um, God is so wild that he transcends our expectations completely. Um, Something that our our pastor said is we we sing this song in church. I'm going to bring up the lyrics because I looked them up on purpose so that I would not mess them up. Um, The bridge says, hold on. You don't leave me where you found me. You pull me up out of the mess. You don't leave me brokenhearted and never break your promises. You give, you keep giving second chances. So you keep giving second chances. You only get one second chance in theory, right? But because every single time God forgives you, it's completely forgotten. Every time you mess up is your second chance because he gave you the first one and he's given you a second chance because that you could be on your millionth time of falling apart and turning your back on him, but it's still your second chance as far as he's concerned. And that's something that our pastor said a couple weeks ago um, because we sang the song in church. And then he was like, you know what? You know, things just kind of come to you like that. And I just thought that was beautiful. 
And then the rest of it says, far beyond what I deserve, and you keep telling me I'm worth it, not a love I have to earn. We couldn't possibly earn his love. Um, yeah, middle of 72, she says, our love is often safe and guarded and motivated by reward. But in contrast, his love is fierce and without restraint, and we absolutely never deserve it or have the ability to earn it. It's reckless. Reference back to that song. <laughs> his, his love is reckless. It's, it's without borders, without boundaries. Yep. And what you were saying about um, the second chances, it my one of my favorite verses is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, where it says, um, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And it's really important to me because it actually, it, does, he, it doesn't say that he will forget them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important balance for us as Christians, believers to have is we're going to mess up and we're going to ask for forgiveness, but there are still going to be consequences of actions. Mm-hmm. And so, but when we go to God, when he, he makes a choice, he doesn't say, oh, forgotten, clean slate. It never happened. He says, no, I choose to not remember it anymore because you're still going to have to deal with the fallout, but you're still going to, you're still going to be moving forward. And that's part of what we're talking about. Just what we cannot understand about God and where forgiveness comes in for humans, because I'm learning to forgive things, but I also am conscious of the fact that that doesn't mean I forget. So if somebody wrongs me egregiously and they ask for my forgiveness i can forgive them but i mean if somebody steals money from me uh i can forgive them but i'm not going to loan them any money i'm not going to let them loose in my house with my jewelry so i think that's an important uh distinction and maybe even in the same way god will choose not to remember it we still have the consequences and we need to be conscious of that so just kind of like that balance Mm-hmm. because i think that's important for people not to abuse god's forgiveness well i'll just i'll do whatever i want and then say sorry god and he'll forgive me it's another thing we're working on with our daughter because she's i'm sorry mom i'm sorry mom and i told her you can't say you're sorry for something you know you're not supposed to do and you do it anyway yeah and and that's what repentance is you stop doing it and so, yeah, I think that's important to, to recognize as believers that um, we need to be careful of. It's not, it's not carte blanche to do whatever we want and then, oh, we'll just say, I'm sorry. It doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. Yep. I want to make a reference to something, but I'm not going to. Um, I'm trying to pick out a couple things because we're running over. Um, Yeah, on the top of 78, she says, um, I will get bold and ask God for things that serve my purposes as long as I can picture them actually happening. But rarely do I ask him to step into my life and act like he normally acts, totally not like a human and fully and fully like a wild father who knows better. Um, I think it's funny that she thinks he knows better, but <laughs> we know better is the problem. We think that it's crazy, but it's not. 
Um, I've definitely been asking, like my word of, of for 2021 is just follow. So I want to follow him wherever he leads me, like whatever that looks like. I'm not going to put boundaries on it because I don't want to put him in a box um, and expect certain things from him. So I'm like, God, just please help me to follow you. Help me to, to go down the right path where I know and I can discern exactly what it is that you want me to do. And I don't want to put boundaries around it. I'm trying really hard not to. <laughs> My little recovering perfectionist state. I'm trying not to put boundaries on this and make it my way, but make it his way. Um, let's see. So let's see. So the last couple sentences, she says on page 80, it says, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, his arm is long, his love is great, and his ways are wild. May you and I become more and more like him. And then the end of Haley's response says on 81, it says, but it's clear in scripture that God does what he pleases and he sets the rules. I don't know about you, but I'm learning to let go of convincing myself I already know what he's up to and what he's capable of because he just keeps surprising me at every turn. Yeah. I think that pretty much sums up 2020. <laughs> There's a, his own set of rules. We have no idea what's going to happen. So it's, it's a little bit hard for me to set plans and goals for 2021 because it's like, well, my ones for last year all got shot. So, you know, it's kind of hard to like, I, I want to make the plans that are along with his plan. I don't want to make plans and then they have to change, but maybe that's part of the process. Um, so praying about it, praying about what plans I should make for the year and going with that. So anything else in chapter three you guys want to chat about? All right, so I'm going to pray and we can close out here. I don't have any prayer requests in the chat tab. So if you guys um, have anything, you can just um, shout it out now if you want or just stay unspoken and I'll pray for, I'll pray for everybody in general, but go ahead, Nella. I want to pray for the family up for Christopher. Yeah, so away. I'm sure you guys saw in the group this week, my friend Tracy, um, her friend, I think her name's Karen, um, lost her son this week. A tree fell on him um, and he had a lot of trauma and he was starting to maybe show signs of brain activity, but he, he couldn't recover. So he passed away. Um, so we definitely need to pray for that family. His, um, I think, I don't know how old his daughter is. She looks like maybe two or three and then his wife is pregnant. So definitely pray for that whole family. Um, I've been praying a lot this week for, for the family and I just, I'm so sad for them. It's so hard. Um, Chris who passed away, his dad's name is Chris and he actually is the pastor of a church. So I'm hoping that they have a lot of peace and guidance from God that can help them get through this. So, um, anybody else? Yeah, I guess, um, just that my, my uh, family reunion goes well. Yes. That's very exciting. Very excited for you. All right. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Dear God, thank you again for this group. I love this community and I love that we get to come together and talk about you and give you the glory that you deserve. Lord, help us to be fearless and to always look toward you for what we need and help us to keep you the center of everything. Um, we want to complete our calling, whatever that looks like. God, we just want to follow you and we want to do 
what your wish is for our lives. God, we know that each of our lives look totally different and our callings look totally different, God. And that's, you know, that's how you, you made us so unique. And it's so beautiful how you've done that, God. Thank you for your mighty hand over each one of our lives. Just please help Chris's family as he, um, they go through um, his passing and their loss. God, just, I speak peace over them. Just help guide them through this hard time. Lord, please help PJ with her family reunion. Help it to go well. Um, and just help those bonds to be made that need to be made, God. We love you so much. And we thank you so much, God. Just please be over our week. Help us to go where you want us to go and be who you want us to be, Lord. It's all in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Great first week of the year. Um, we're going to do chapters four through six of Wild and Free next week. So we'll see you then. Bye, guys. Everyone have a good week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BCS Podcast. We hope you found what you needed in this week's episode and that it blessed you. If you would like to chat more, please join our Facebook group, Book Club Sisterhood. And if you would like to subscribe to our box, go to bookclubsisterhood.com. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week. Have a great week, sisters.